and thank you for joining me today. My name is Cindy Chen, and I am part of the HMP Global Market Access Insights team, or formerly known as Proximity Health. In today's session, I'd like to offer an overview of the key components of CMS's new Enhancing Oncology model and how this model differs from its predecessor, the Oncology Care model, as well as offer some of our own HMP Market Access Insight viewpoints on the potential impacts of this model on participating oncology providers as well as manufacturers. For some background, in June of 2022, CMS announced its new voluntary advanced payment model focused on cancer called the Enhancing Oncology Model, or EOM. This model is really a successor to Oncology Care Model, or OCM, and is intended to really take the learnings from OCM into this new program to enhance cancer care while reducing costs under Medicare's fee-for-service. This new program, EOM, will start one year after the conclusion of its predecessor on July 1st, 2023, and will run for five years. Now, the eligible participants include the traditional physician group practices, payers, as well as care partners, which is a new type of participant under this model. So all of the interested participants have submitted their applications as of September 30th. So now we wait for the final selection list from CMS. To start our overview, one of the key components of EOM is the selective cancer types included in this model. So unlike OCM, which included 21 cancer types where patients receive some cancer therapy, EOM includes only seven of the most common cancers, as shown here. In addition, only systemic chemotherapy will trigger an episode for the purpose of EOM. So low-risk breast cancer patients receiving only hormonal therapy and low-intensity prostate cancer patients will be excluded from EOM. CMS has clearly stated its intent to focus on higher-risk and higher-intensity cancers, as previous data indicate lower-risk patients have often disproportionate impact on the provider group's performance. To put this in perspective, inclusion of only seven cancers, even the most common ones, limits the patient's population and respective episodes eligible for an oncology practice. What this means is that the investments required to participate will not necessarily be supported by that larger patient scale allowed in OCM. For smaller practices or practices with low volumes in these included cancers, the economic scalability will be difficult to achieve. The further exclusion of low-risk, low-intensity patients will narrow this patient population even more. However, to CMS's point, exclusion of low-risk patients may reduce the risk of practices exceeding their targets. As an example, a breast cancer patient receiving only hormone therapy would have been assessed with low target price of five to $6,000 maybe under OCM. But if that same patient underwent hip replacement surgery costing tens of thousands of dollars, this type of patient would likely push the practice way above its target price. However, if a patient underwent hip replacement was treated with chemotherapy, that target price under OCM 
would have been somewhere around thirty to forty thousand dollars, which could help offset most of the costs that would be uncontrollable by the oncologists. Therefore, oncology practices must really review their patient volume, particularly these cancer types, and determine if their volume and patient mix can provide the scale as well as the variability to offset the risk of uncontrollable costs. Another key component of EOM is that participants will be required to implement eight redesign activities, but six of which were already included in OCM. The two additional requirements under EOM are highlighted here. The first being to identify patients' health-related social needs using approved tools to support this newly required health equity plan really designed to address health disparities and as a part of CMS's continuous quality improvement efforts. This new requirement is really fully aligned with CMS's strategic focus on health equity. The second is the gradual implementation of patient-reported outcomes, which is required to begin by model year three, giving the practices some ramp-up time. Now, the practices are not required to use any specific EPRO tool, but that tool must be integrated into the practice's EHR. Previous OCM providers will have a head start on these redesign activities that are carried forward from OCM. However, these two new requirements will pose additional burdens. For providers who are also participating in ACO REACH, CMS's new direct contracting model, this new health equity requirement may already be in progress, but those are likely practices or groups that are attached to an IDN or multi-specialty practices. For a new provider practice entering the EOM, the group must invest in resources to implement all eight activities, but now under a lower monthly payment design, which we will look at next. The monthly enhanced oncology services payment or MEOS payment, is really designed to support additional patient services and activities. Under EOM, this MEOS payment is $70. This is a significant reduction from the previous $160 MEOS payment under OCM. However, providers will receive an extra $30 per beneficiary per month for dual eligible patients. As CMS recognizes the greater amount of coordination and management these patients may require. In addition, only the base $70 MEOS payments will be counted towards a practice's total episode cost. So that $30 for dualies will be excluded. Under OCM, the MEOS payment component was a notable driver of program loss for CMS. So it's unsurprising that CMS will curtail this amount in this new model. However, the lower MEOS payment will play a role in the provider's decision to participate, particularly for new provider groups that must build these enhanced services from scratch. With a combination of limited patients from only seven cancer types and now lower MEOS payments to support practice improvements, participants may not find adequate incentive to join this program. In addition, EOM requires two-sided risk from the start of the program. So these MEOS payments is not so much an incentive or free money, but really more of an advance that may require repayment. 
Before we discuss the risk arrangements under EOM, I do want to give a brief overview of CMS's reconciliation methodology that determines whether a group earns a performance-based payment or owes a performance-based recoupment. The total payment or penalties for a provider under EOM comprise of two components, the MEOS payments, which we just talked about, plus either a performance-based payment or a performance-based recoupment. For background, EOM is measured with six months long episode, which are triggered by the initiation of chemotherapy and at least one ENM visit for the seven included cancer types. Under EOM, each of the seven cancers has its own prediction model for each episode. In the example shown, you can see that CMS starts with a cancer-specific episode starting price. And in our example for breast cancer, the starting price is then applied with covariates of age and obesity to arrive at a predicted expenditure. That predicted expenditure then gets both an experience as well as a clinical adjustment to arrive at the baseline price. What I want to note here is the importance of these covariates and the importance for the practice to code these covariates correctly. You can see, for example, the obesity adjustment for this breast cancer patient significantly increases the baseline price, even before the other adjusters. The cancer-specific baseline price is then further adjusted by a trend factor for each performance period. This trend factor accounts for inflation and other changes between the baseline and the specific performance period. Like previously in OCM, EOM also includes a novel therapy adjustment. However, in EOM, there will be a separate novel therapy adjustment for each cancer type. CMS will identify the list of novel therapies based on the criteria of the therapy being approved after June 30th, 2021, and will only be considered a new or novel therapy for two years after the approval. It's important to note that novel drugs under EOM for Part B will include the full Medicare claim cost, but for Part D drugs, only 80% of the drug costs above catastrophic amount will be included. However, under EOM, by applying novel therapy adjustments by cancer type instead of in the aggregate like in OCM, these adjustments will likely better reflect actual expenditure in cancers that are more competitive and with newer therapies. It's also important to note that the novel therapy adjustment can only increase the benchmark price, even if a group uses less novel therapies than the average non-EOM group. So if we take the trend factor and the novel therapy adjustment, apply that to the baseline price, what that generates is the benchmark price that is used in the payment reconciliation process. The benchmark price is critical as it is then used to calculate the target amount for the practice. The difference between benchmark and target is really the savings percentage or the amount required by the risk arrangement in the model. 
Now let's talk a little bit about the risk arrangements. Participation under EOM requires providers to take downside risk immediately. This is a significant difference compared to OCM, where providers could have remained in upside risk only through performance period seven. In addition, under OCM, those who achieved a program-based payment by period four could have remained in upside risk only for the full program duration. However, under EOM, providers can choose only between two risk arrangements, both with downside risk. This will be a key consideration for the providers. So if we look at risk arrangement one on the left here, it's really considered the less risky option because it has lower downside risk, however, a more limited upside potential. In the red highlighted is that the stop loss maximum is 2% of benchmark, whereas the stop gain is capped at 4% of benchmark. Participants are defaulted into risk arrangement one unless the group specifically applied for risk arrangement two. Risk arrangement two has higher downside risk, but also higher upside potential. The stop loss is 6% with the stop gain topping off at 12% of benchmark. For both risk arrangements, participants must achieve expenditures of 98% or less to avoid owing any money to CMS. In other words, participants must achieve at least 2% from benchmark to avoid performance-based recoupment. In OCM, participants did not incur any recoupments if their actual expenditures were just below benchmark. How much a participating group must save to earn a payment varies by the chosen risk arrangement track as well. In risk arrangement one, a group must achieve a target of 96% of benchmark or essentially savings of 4% before any payment can be earned. In comparison, for risk arrangement two, a group only has to achieve the target of 97% or savings of 3% to start earning payments. This asymmetrical design of the risk track is noteworthy because in risk arrangement two, CMS is really attempting to incentivize the groups by dangling a lower target threshold in addition to a higher potential payment. The trade-off, of course, is the downside risk. Although risk arrangement one limits or places the stop gain at 4%, the maximum payment to CMS or stop loss is at 2% of benchmark. Now compare that to risk arrangement two. The potential loss or payment to CMS is 6%. What we're really looking at here between the two tracks, particularly for track two, is that we're tripling the potential upside, but also tripling the potential downside. Also new to EOM is this neutral zone in the gray. If the participant group's episode expenditures fall between the target threshold and the recruitment threshold, it fits into this neutral zone. Then the group will not owe or earn any payments at all. 
For risk arrangement one, that zone is between 96 to 98% of benchmark. And in risk arrangement two, it's actually a narrower range of 97 to 98% of benchmark. The important thing to note here is that unless a practice can achieve savings above this gray neutral zone, no payments will be earned for its efforts and investments. Although all interested participants have submitted their applications, final selection will likely not be available or announced until early 2023. And then the selected participants have the final opportunity to accept or decline participation offer from CMS. As we review what is known of EOM, a few highlights we believe providers and drug manufacturers should keep in mind. First, all risk arrangements under EOM include downside risk, whereas OCM allowed participants ramp up time and upside risk only. EOM participants bear risk from initiation. For new participants, this may be a daunting requirement to accept. We do expect that many groups successful for OCM will continue in this new model. For example, One Oncology recently announced that all 14 of its practices have submitted their application and look forward to leveraging their learnings from OCM into this new model. Two. Patient mix matters. With targeted inclusion of only seven cancer types, participants need to analyze their cancer patient mix, volume, and disease acuity. Limited patient volume may not provide the level of scale necessary to make financial sense for smaller groups in particular. Three, new focus on health equity and data increases provider investment burden. The MEOS payments are designed to support enhanced care and coordination, but the much lower MEOS payment amount of $70 a month or even $100 a month with dualies raised the question of whether this payment will be enough to cover the efforts. In combination with mandatory downside risk, MEOS payments under EOM is not so much of an incentive but an at-risk advance that may require repayment. Last, providers will need to continuously look for savings and cost reductions as their own performance will impact their individual benchmarks. As noted, the provider's historical expenditure level is an experience adjustment to the baseline price. So as providers improve, their benchmarks will become increasingly harder to beat. Drug expenditures will likely be top of mind as treatment choices are definitely within the purview of the oncologists, unlike some of the other episode costs we discussed. While we wait for the final selection announcement from CMS, if you have any further questions regarding our perspective on EOM, or any other market access insights in oncology, please feel free to contact us at Proximity Health. Thank you for joining me today.